Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. And welcome to another edition of Positive Talk Radio. I'm very excited. We're, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the entire world, and that is money. And uh, we're working, talking to um, and Mitch because he's French is going to uh, give us. <laughs> I just threw you under the bus, my friends. So we're talking with Kaylee Boisvert. Yeah, that was good. Oh, goodness gracious. See, I put you under pressure and see how well you did. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I pulled it off. You pulled it off. You did really, really well. And by the way, she has been on a ton of shows and radio shows and financial shows and global news and all kinds of stuff. You're 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 pretty darn famous, young lady. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope now you gotta make me famous, Kevin. <laughs> now you've hit the big time. Um, so I I, I hope so. So it is it is great. By the way, hold on a second. I'm being I'm being summoned from I've got workmen here. So so uh, Mitch, I'm gonna turn it over to you and I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Well uh hold, hold on a sec. Okay. Am I still holding? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, Kaylee, how's your day going? It's good, good. How are you? Good, good. I like your boots in this uh, picture you got on here that make money your thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> great. my mom, my mom bought me those. I was like, I need something pink for the photo shoot for my book cover. And so she was like boxing day shopping and she's like, I found these and they're on sale. And my mom likes a good sale. So I was like, my mom works. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely pop. And I like how they match the last part of your thing. Make money your thing. Yes. So I love this. Well, how, so how long have you, how long have you been doing this? So I've been in the finance industry for about 15 years now. So right out of university, I was, you know, I did like the business, um, undergrad and very focused on like finance numbers. That's always been a passion of mine. So right out of university, I started in the industry and I loved it. Like right from the get go, I was like, okay, this is where I meant to be. Like it's, you know, I'm surrounded by numbers, but I also get to work with clients and, and talk to them about money and finances, which I really enjoy. Like I love having these conversations about money and it, to me, it is, it's very fulfilling. Like it, it's, you know, getting to see people kind of from where they start feeling maybe stressed and overwhelmed and kind of feeling all over the place to like getting them on a clear plan and having them actually take action and execute on it. It's, it's huge. And I get to see kind of what that, translates to too like because you get to work with them throughout the process so it's really it's a fun fun job yeah no that's really cool i like that i think everybody out there listening and there have some sort of aspect of financially that you know they either have somebody already involved that's hopefully helping them or the ones that just don't have that education or that knowledge like like you have and being able to walk somebody through that process and help them you know, I like, I like Garcia on here. You chose to become a financial advisor to empower and support women and to put an end to their money related stress. And yes. I know that that's a big stress for a lot of people out there is money. And we've had a lot of, um, the last couple of years from, I mean, going back to our, for, for, 
you know, however far back, but even, you know, with COVID and businesses shutting down and there's been, you know, people getting laid off. And so your services and what you do is probably even that much more important than maybe it ever was before. And, um, is definitely, it's, that's awesome to see. It's, it's something much needed. So I'm excited to hear about, um, hear from you and hear more details of what all you do and how you're helping people. So I love it. I love people helping people. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And you're right. I would say money's like probably at like an all time high stress point right now, I think, or, you know, I kind of find that in the conversations I'm having. So yeah, hopefully this does serve to like, you know, help people sort of lessen some of that stress. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's amazing when you think about now, I'm not sure now I know you're in Canada. Yeah, I'm hopeful the Canadian schools are doing some more things with money and money training in their schools than they do down here because they don't, we don't, they don't even teach you how to balance a checkbook or how to open a bank account or any of the rudimentary things that you really need to be able to do or how does credit work? Um, they don't teach you that until you figure out that you're way over your head and you're going to be paying off that $4,000 debt. You're going to pay $12,000 on it and whatever <laughs> so did in canada are they better than they are here unfortunately no <laughs> so it's yeah like we can kind of say where this stress is coming from it's we're not learning this along the way like we're not learning this in elementary and you know college and it really is like a crash course when you're a grown-up and you're making you know actual money and then all of a sudden you're like paying all these bills and and it's scary because like it's you know you know when you're out on your own and and you're starting to work and pay things like if you don't have enough money in your account like what are you going to do like it's you probably don't want to have to go back to the bank of mom and dad and things like that when you're adulting <laughs> kevin <laughs> kevin you got a question go ahead kevin mid 30s <laughs> and they still don't know how to manage money it drives me crazy cuz when i grew when i was growing up we didn't have any and so you, if you couldn't manage it, you, you are in big, big trouble. But kids, kids today, but you know, people, for whatever reason, they don't seem to understand how the principles of money work. And I know that you work with people to teach them how to do that and to put together things like, I don't know, the B word, a budget. And why are so many people having trouble putting together a budget? Yeah, good question and good point. I think it's like, I think it's like they have like high expectations or some sort of idea of what like a budget should be. It's almost like there's some sort of criteria and they have to make it exactly right. And it's that perfectionism creeps in and they're like, nah, I don't even know what to do. And and there's supposed to be a way I do it and stuff. So then you avoid it. Right. Because it's like, I don't even know where to start. And then, of course, it's easy to just be like, I'll do that another day when I figure it out. So never, you know, think that there's some sort of like magic tool or something like that. A budgeting is simple as like grab a piece of paper or if you're more of a tech person, like open an Excel document online um, and then just literally like write down or track what you spent in a month. So, you know, if you only have one method of payment, like a bank card you're using, that's probably a lot easier. If you have a couple of credit cards, a bank card, you're probably going to have to pull data from each of those places. But just look at a month, like a, a 
past typical months. And again, you're just going to write down what you spend and then you can like sum it up on Excel and it does the the work and the math for you. But it's simple math, right? It's addition. And, and that's all you really need to know how to do. And if you write it on a piece of paper, you might need to use a calculator. But that's really what it is. And I would say like the majority of people are not doing that. They do like what I call like the guesstimate version where you're like, well, my mortgage is this and my insurance is that. And, you know, you add up the big things and you're like, I probably spend about this much a month. And when, if you actually go through line by line, every transaction, when you actually do it, like I was guilty of doing the, like just guesstimation. And then when I did it, I was like, Oh my gosh, like you spend far more on places like McDonald's for me. I'm a mom. So <laughs> I can't help it. My kid loves McDonald's. Um, then you realize, and you're just like, this is alarming. So actually going through line by line and don't think of it as like, as well as like, um, you know, an exercise of like shaming yourself or beating yourself up. Like think of it in a pause. Like this, where once I see that, where it's going, then I can make decisions. And so it's empowering. So you can say, oh, I spend, you know, this much money eating out. I don't really feel great about that. I'd rather spend less in that cash that. And I'm going to try to spend less and be, you know, mindful and focused on that because I'd like to have more money to go on vacations and things like that. So that's all a budget is like, just get a piece of paper, get a spreadsheet started, write everything down, every single transaction. And then if you want to take it like up a notch, you can categorize things and do all sorts of stuff. But even the very basic, it's going to serve you so much to do that. Go ahead, Mitch. <laughs> no, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I think that, I mean, where it starts, you, you think about going back to like what we we're saying about school. They don't, they don't teach anything about it. They, I mean, I took home ec, which I've found is something they don't even teach anymore. You know, I learned how to, how to do laundry, how to sew, how to cook. And I never really, you know, and it, so it really comes down to the parents, you know, teaching their kids. It's like, you kind of have this where it's like, okay, you turn 16 or whatever age and you start making money, what you do with that money is there's no, unless your parents are involved and they're kind of giving you a rundown of what, you know, balancing a checkbook, your budget and what, you know, savings and what to do with it. And not every parent unfortunately does that. And I think it's a very missing piece in school. There should definitely be some sort of financial class or some sort of something, at least an elective that gives you a breakdown of at least the basics, because you see, yeah, I mean, I have a teenager and, you know, I tried, I'm trying my, that's my dad, you know, I used to just, what are you doing? He's like, I'm balancing the checkbook, you know, and he'd write everything down and it was, you know, we had a budget and we didn't have, we didn't have very much money growing up at all. Um, yeah, not at all. And so it, I appreciate the fact that I was taught those things, but I also think about, you know, were other people taught those, were other people taught those things? Because like, kind of like you're saying the guesstimate, you know, people are like, Oh, I make money, make money. And then it was just like, oh, I spend it until it runs out, you know, you know, kind of thing. And then you hope that you don't run all the way out to where you go negative and you get overdrawn yeah. and then there's fees and this, and you can easily go way backwards very quickly. And I mean, and I still have things that, you know, when I was younger that, I dealt with, even with my knowledge of things that I was like, wow, I should have done this better or should have been more articulate. And I did self-learning on, you know, 
a number of different things. But anyway, my whole point of it was that I think it's a huge missing piece. Um, and it's something that should be taught when you're in your, you know, mid to late teens, at least when you start, when you get a job, it should be a conversation that takes place before that happens. That's my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. If parents could just have those conversations, like just the conversation. And as a parent, if you feel insecure and be like, well, I don't feel like I know enough, just, you know, it's just having open conversations about when you're spending money or, or, you know, when you have bills, like one day my daughter woke up and she was like, do you have to pay bills every month, mom? And I'm just like, that's a weird question to wake up with. But I'm like, yes, <laughs> most bills are monthly and recurring. Um, so mm -hmm. it's fun with like an eight-year-old and she's planning, you know, right now she just got like her Amazon package where she ordered a bunch of croc charms and she's going to make a store and sell them. And she's talking about what she'll sell them for and stuff. And I'm just like, that's amazing. And she's eight years old and she's, you know, this is fun. And she's learning these things and doing these things. And, you know, she's not going to like hustle people and overcharge for these croc charms. She's very reasonable. I was mindful of that. But, you know, it's just letting our kids do those things because it's a safe environment. She's like getting to start a business in a safe environment where like her success or failure is not going to be like, we're not going to have a roof over our head. Right. Like, so it's good. It's, you know, let kids experiment when, when they're children and, and in their teen years, because that's the time to do that and make, you know, mistakes and learn things because it's less of a, you know, forgiving environment in our adult years. If you miss a mortgage payment or something like that. And you know, your actual your credit score is impacted and it affects all other sorts of things. So let's have these conversations with our kids. Let's be doing things, experimenting, letting them, you know, figure things out and, and being beside them along the way to see how we can help. Even if you don't feel like you know a lot, I guarantee you know more than you think you know, because you've had the experience of um, paying bills getting, you know, your paycheck, saving money, like you've done those things. So you have that to share with your kids. I need some advice. If you would be so kind. When I was a, a parent and my, and my children were younger, I started giving them a, an allowance and I would give them like, okay, here's what you get for the week. It's like 10 bucks. <clears throat> I said, make sure you, you, you're judicious about how you use it. And so it'll last the entire week. One kid put it in his pocket and the next Saturday it still was in his pocket. The other kid, it was gone by noon that day. He has led his entire life that way. It's anytime he gets a, a nickel in his pocket, it's gone. How could I have changed? How could I have done differently to keep him from doing that himself because ultimately it cost me money because he would then come to me later on in life and say i always know when he calls me in at a unique time that's when i know that he's got troubles and so and he'll say dad how are you i'm fine how are you well you know there's this thing going on and so anyway but how do you the tone change <laughs> yeah I need some money. well you know what's going on. it's it's gonna it's, but don't worry about it dad i don't need to eat until friday is that when you get paid? Yeah. Well, it's Monday. You're not going to eat from now until, well, I suppose I could have noodles. You know, what do you do? But in any of how do you teach a kid who has a hole in his pocket to get rid of the hole in his pocket? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And very interesting that like you made that observation early on and it carried through to adult years. Like that's very interesting to note for parents of like, yeah, can we intervene? Like this is almost kind of experimental and being like, 
is there something to this? So by all means, like nothing against you, you know, I bet, you know, you're doing the best you can as parents. And I like the idea of allowance. And again, it gives them a safe space to kind of spend money. And then when they run out, they realize, okay, I have to save it to make sure it makes it, or I have to wait till next week. So you know, I think it's very interesting to like acknowledge that there are going to be differences in personalities between like people and how they deal with money. And I think we really see that like in relationships too, like the differences, right? Because there's oftentimes like in husband, wife or whatever pairing scenarios, it's like one's the super diligent, like you said, and then the other one's exact opposite. And that leads to conflict because they're so different with their money and money beliefs. So I think it's, you know, communicating um, and kind of getting to like the bottom, like I believe in like looking at more of like the inner work of like, where is this coming from? Like, you know, when he's buying things or spending money, you know, is it something to do with like the feeling he gets? Um, or is it, you know, when he's stressed or, or things like that, and actually like dig into that, because there's probably some more work to be done. And I believe this with like everyone that we can do a lot of internal work with where we're at with our money. Like for me, it was, I grew up with a single mom and money was really a struggle. So I took on a lot of like those beliefs and that money should be, you know, I figured it should always be stressful and it's almost like money drama or something. And when it isn't hard and, and whatnot, I get like worried and it's almost like I'm inviting disaster because I expect that or something. So I've had to do so much work on my own, um, even to things like, like a worthiness factor. When you grow up and you don't have a lot of money, sometimes it can lead to like as a child and that mindset of like, like when you're keep hearing like we don't have enough or you know it's never enough kind of thing it can almost be like an internalized shame of like i am not enough because my family doesn't have money and i don't have money and things like that so it's a lot of like internal work we have to do with i think like unpacking it and the feelings because money itself is neutral money's not good or bad we assign, you know, feelings or, or whatnot to it. So maybe it's looking more into like, well, what does it feel like to spend money and, and, and that instant gratification? And is there other ways that you can get that feeling that you don't need to be actually spending money on or that you can, you know, do you believe that you can truly save money and accumulate money? Maybe it's like, some positive affirmations that you can incorporate. Like I love those and just reminding myself of those of like saying like my bank account is constantly growing or something like that for your son to say that, you know, changing that mindset, but there's so much inner work and it's not to say like, you know, what he's doing is bad versus what someone else is doing. Again, it's like, we're just so different and unique. And I think some of it's kind of just like innately ingrained some of it's probably socialized it, it comes from all different sources but because of that there's almost like sometimes like a trauma we have to work on and you are very very good you're very astute because that's exactly his deal is it he's got he's got um uh, self-esteem issues and so when he has i've always told him it doesn't matter how much money you make you're always going to be poor because the size of the toys that you buy is just going to be more expensive yeah. And, and, but you're always going to run out of money because that's, it makes him feel good to, to, because he doesn't necessarily feel that he's uh, perfect in enough ways that he, this is a way for him. It's kind of like a band aid. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Mitch, did, does uh, your son do anything, any kind of that kind of thing, or is he pretty good with money? 
He's he's pretty decent, you know. I I've I've had talks with him about different things, um, and you know he has money that he's saved up. You know he'll get it for birthday or this, and now he's ex, you know he's exploring. He's looking at getting jobs. He started driver's ed and all these different things, but you know, so he, I mean he's pretty decent. I think he gets it and understands because yeah, for a while it was like he'd get you know money from grandma or something like that. It's like oh I want to buy this and that, and you know one thing I think that helped you know, from my dad that I kind of try to transition down to, to my son as well, is that being able to identify needs and wants, you know, there are necessities and then there are things that are not and, and money, you know, goes towards both those things. And it's okay to get things that you want, um, you know, but necessities need to be taken care of first. And so I think that's, I think that's a big thing. You, you know, those are two big categories that, yeah, you know, you need to pay your mortgage, you need to pay your car payment, you have, you need to have the power on, but you know, yes, you want to buy a new car, you know, or things like that. What, you know, how much are you going to spend on that car? Does it make sense? You know, and those are all things you break down, but I think that that's a big thing too, especially at a young age is being able to help them identify needs and wants, because as a kid, all we want is want, 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 you know, we want to buy this, we want to buy that. We see fun things, video games, you know, cool stuff and more and, and, and else, you know, you take it back and there's not as much needs or necessities necessarily coming from a kid. You know, you're the parent that provides a lot of the necessities. And so it's a little bit more on you, but then, you know, what happens when they turn 18 and they move out, they're going to need to be able to identify those things. And it can't always be, can't always be fun. So I try to teach him little things, you know, like he wants to get a car and, his mom and I agreed, you know, he's got savings with her and he's got savings here that he's going to buy his car, his first car. We're not buying him a car for him. So if you want that car, you're going to have to work for it, this, that, and the other. And we'll have conversations later when it comes to that point, when he actually has his license versus his permit. But yeah, it, you know, for me, that was, that was a big thing growing up that helped me. And I try to transition that to him. And so far he seems to be doing pretty good with it. Well, that's good. Uh <laughs> Because sometimes, sometimes there's nothing, you know, Kaylee. I don't know. Sometimes it's for me. It's like there's nothing that I can do for him. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. just. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right, and I sometimes feel that too. Like with people that come across me, like whether they're like referred to me or you know having the conversations. Like I feel like I give all these ideas mm -hmm. and good advice for sometimes where it's just maybe they're not a good fit to work together or whatnot, or I'm, I'm just giving them some advice and ideas of what they can do now with answering their questions. But it's the whole, like, you know, they don't actually do it. Sometimes you realize, and you kind of hear from them later and it's like same scenario. So it's the whole, like you can lead the person there, but they have to do part of it too. So I think, yeah, giving them that, that like free, like, as well to kind of do that it's but then the whole like money you know situation and and things like credit and how we can just get things instantaneous like it's so hard like those it's almost like easier it's easier to spend money than to not spend money like it is so hard not to spend money so I think it's like we have to give ourselves grace and like realize the shift that has happened, like, yay, we have access to, you know, our phones, like 24 hours a day or whatnot. But it also means we have access to like shopping and buying things. And, and they actually are targeting us based on what we like and showing us like, oh, you need this. I was like complaining about my webcam the other day. And like, guess what? I have all these webcam advertisements <laughs> coming to me about the greatest webcam. And I'm like, oh, I do need, I'm like, wait, of course they know I need one. Like, it's just, you have to be so now like savvy and you have to play such a role of like 
doing the work to not get pulled down that, um, that sort of like path, because again, it's so easy and you can just put it on your credit card and I'll just pay for it later. And like, that's the mentality we live in versus like my mom growing up, like credit cards weren't even a thing and they were almost like a really bad word. So like being raised by my mom, it was like no credit cards. So we didn't have a lot of money, but like when we ran out, we ran out, like there was no credit card to like step in. And so I thought they were like terrible. I remember going to university and sitting beside um, another student, we were talking and she was saying she had a credit card and I was like, oh, she has a credit card. Like it, it felt like so shocking to me. Um, but now it's just like, of course, everyone has credit cards. They probably have like five or more. Um, they're so easy to get and things like that. So we have to realize like the forces are strong and find ways to just be intentional. Like a good one is to say, you know, maybe you put it in your Amazon shopping basket or whatever, or your online, like you put it in the basket and then like step away and, and go do something and think about how you feel in an hour or a day from now. I have a client who's like so diligent with savings and I'm like, you know, what is your secret? Like, what do you do? Cause her savings rate is amazing. Um, and she told me like every time she goes out like to the mall and things like that, she doesn't bring her wallet. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. But she says that that way it's like she can see. And if there's something she really wants and it's like, you know, she goes home and if it's like three days later and she's still thinking about it, then it's probably something she really wants. And she says most of the time, you know, she isn't. So it is like, think about our behaviors. And if we can assess like what we've bought and what, you know, the thought process and things like that was behind it. A lot of the stuff you look back on, you're like, I didn't even need that. Why did I buy that? And so it's like, how can we stop? How can we do something to put a pause there that we can go think about it and use that like more rational part of our brain? Because there's probably like there's probably some science to like we're not even using our brain fully when we're doing that. And we're just like, click, click, bye bye. <laughs> ex exactly. So let me ask you, if I was to come to work with you, uh, what is it that you would do for me? Are you a full financial planner? Do you do all of that and try and keep people away from themselves? Yeah, well, I hope to. Yeah, like I feel like we're like the jack of all trades sometimes of financial advisors. Like I was reading this article about what financial advisors do because I'm like, sometimes it is really hard to describe what we do. And it was basically the article ended up just saying like what we don't do. Like it was like, okay, financial advisors, you know, they're not going to do your taxes for you. And we're not going to be able to write like a will or something like that. Because obviously those are the roles of an accountant and of a lawyer. But really like some of the conversations I have can be anything in between, like, and, and age wise, the people I work with are all over the map too. So it's, you know, from like kind of the sort of, I guess, like to simplify it, um, you know, we're working with clients to understand their goals, um, the things they're trying to achieve, and then understanding, you know, net worth, where they're sitting at today, where they want to get to, and doing that planning to find out how we can help get them there. And then when we kind of know more about our clients, then we're also creating and developing like an individual investment plan. So we're doing the investment, you know, advice and making those calls essentially for the client as well. So like investment allocation and saying, okay, you're young, you have a long-term time frame. you should be invested in mostly equities. And, you know, these are the stocks I'm recommending or the mutual funds or the ETFs. And this is why. And so it's like, we're, we're crafting the individualized portfolio and we're really understanding them though first and like where they're at, where they're trying to go. And there's probably different goals and different buckets they have. And so we're kind of designing 
for everything. And then we're, of course, being cognizant of their tax scenario and, um, you know, any kind of upcoming, you know, cash needs and and short-term goals and things like that. So all that stuff. But then you're right. There's always even the conversations that can be more like, I guess, more personal or more in depth of like the feelings part. A lot of the women that come to me, like I work with a lot of women, I have men and women clients, but primarily I work with a lot of women. And, um, a lot of it's like the feelings that come about for them with money. And so sometimes we're just having conversations about like money mindset and, you know, where they're at and what is their biggest like pain point and stressor and how we can work through that. Sometimes it's more just the financial literacy piece and really helping them get engaged and understand a concept and what we're doing and why we're doing. So we do like lots of different tasks. (laughs) Um, but it's fun. Like, I love that part of it because it, it's different dependent on the person I'm working with and where they're at in their journey and whatnot. So it's it's very personalized. Um, but yeah, and, and very like holistic looking at the whole picture. Mitch, I don't mean to scare you, but you're a young guy. Um, <clears throat> I keep saying that, don't I? Um, but you got a long time to save and stuff. But um how much should he save between now and retirement to be able to live a, a life that he would love to live? Good question. Do I know how old Mitch is or we, do we give out that information? Can we get an approximation? We'll say he's someplace between 30 and 40. How about okay. that? Okay. Okay. And when does Mitch, when do you want to retire? Oh, man. Tomorrow? security he won't be able to retire till he's 70 okay yeah so you obviously the onus is really on you we can't rely on like i'm in canada we have canada pension plan you guys have social security very similar and when we look at those numbers frankly it's not enough and i was listening to a call with our u.s analysts and and basically like social security is going to be at some sort of like deficit or like i don't know i'm probably gonna say this wrong but like basically run out of money in a certain amount of years here and it's not too far off in the future no no it's gonna be all different by the time i'm even in that in that realm who knows and and the thing is this is interesting that they pointed out social security in theory when do they say it should start like 65 for you guys right originally it was now mine is 66 six months okay um but if they're younger now people are it's going to be 68 69 70 and i tell you it's it's hard if you are a man if you work in a physical job to do that when you're 70 years old is very hard yeah yeah and the thing is so they designed social security at a time like when it was like created and the age to start and everything it was designed when life expectancy was like early 60s so it was actually designed only to support people that like are actually living past the average life expectancy and and probably wouldn't live much longer than that so it's kind of like it's so outdated how they designed it and they haven't made any updates because the average female and male are living beyond the age that it starts. Whereas before they were like dying before it even set in. Um, So that's a big difference. And they're living quite a bit longer. Like average ages are probably in the eighties for, for men and women, I think. Um, Yeah. My uh, my mother died and she got social security when she was 65. Yeah. And she died at 90. Her boyfriend, after my father died, she had a boyfriend. He died at 101. 
So he was on social security for almost as long as he worked. Wow. See, that's great. Like he really got his money worth. (laughs) Good for him. (laughs) But they're, you know, they're making, they're being cognizant of this and having to make changes because it's like, wow, like they were designed to last a couple of years. Now it's lasting decades for people. And, you know, it's not funded in that way, or it needs to be more funded than it is right now. So that all being said, you can't rely on that. Like you can't, and us here in Canada, same thing. CPP is actually lower our like maximum amount than you guys get. So, um, you can't rely on that. And like with inflation and things like that, you look at how much it is and the cost of living, you're like, that's not going to fully support anyone. So you always have to think of, I would say like that the onus is really on you, like do the work you can do. So if you're with an employer that contributes to a 401k and you can, you know, does a matching, make sure you're maximizing that. Don't just like say, oh, I need the money, I'm going to take it, you know, versus having it put away. Like if that's free money, you're essentially doubling the money by getting their contribution matched to yours. And it's huge to be doing things like that. If your employer doesn't have anything like that in place, then you have to really take into consideration that you need to do some of that. So the onus for some of that retirement savings, you know, it is on you as well. We can't rely on you know, just social programs. Think of them as like something added as a benefit, but don't have that be your sole source because that gets a little bit scary. Again, knowing that that totally might not agree. be what exists for young people. Well, and I know that uh, um, it depends on how long you live and so forth, but I'd heard that you really need in excess of a million dollars, access to a million dollars to to really make sure that you don't outlive your money, which is a big fear for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Like I talked to a lot of women and they talk about becoming like having to eat cat food or something. I'm like, why do you eat cat food? You'd probably be better off with those noodles that are really cheap or something like that. <laughs> like canned human food. Cat food's top probably just for the week. Yeah, I think cat food's more expensive than top ramen. But it I is. Don't know. I, haven't, I have not, uh, I haven't priced it out recently. So. <laughs> But yeah, so it's, it can be scary and it's, you know, doing things though earlier. And that's the tough part too, is like, there has to be psychology behind this too, but it's like the idea of, I have all sorts of charts that like, if you started putting money away when you're like 19 and only put like $200 away, and then you stopped when you're like uh, 28 or something. So you only did it for like eight to nine years. And it was like, $200 a month. So just over 2000 a year or whatnot. And, and then you stopped at that age and just let it compound and grow at like a eight or 9% growth rate at 65. It's over a million dollars. So there's all these like charts I can show you of like, well, if you start like straight out of, you know, high school or in your early twenties and you could just put away a couple hundred a month. And if you're consistent about that, you're going to get to that million plus if you're investing and growing it um, with compounding growth and letting it sit in there and continue to grow. So not taking money out. So it's very possible. But the thing is, no one does that. (laughs) So how do we get people? Yeah. How do we get people doing that? I didn't even do that. Like I took, you know, my finance degree and I was learning about the stock markets and everything. And then I started working with a financial advisor and I still wasn't doing it and investing. So I'm like, if I wasn't doing it with all that education in my early twenties, you know, of course everyone else isn't doing it. So what do we need to do to like really get that in motion? Because having to put away a couple hundred bucks a month 
versus if you're not starting till you're like in your forties or later, it's like, you're probably putting the equivalent of thousands of dollars a month away to have the same result. Um, so, you know, instead of like, like maybe it's, you know, your extra nights out with your friends or something like that, you can save you know, yourself a few trips to the bar and, and retire a millionaire by just putting away a couple hundred bucks a month as a young person. Now that's heresy. And do you really did realize that, don't you? That staying away from the bar and when you're 20 something is, is a very difficult problem. It's, it's kind of like, okay, I can take her on our first date out to a really nice restaurant or we can go to mcdonald's to go to mcdonald's i'll have a million dollars at the end but if i go to mcdonald's she won't be there with me so it'll be your last date yeah it'll be (laughs) do you want mcnuggets or a big mac so it's speaking of like as the mcdonald's lover i'd be like oh that's a dream date But it's, it's, we make value judgments all the time as to, well, it's only 50 bucks. It's only a hundred bucks. And- yeah. And I'm not saying to like, cause I am a fan of like, you know, my Starbucks drinks and stuff like that. So I'm not saying like, yeah, you have to like really, you know, cut back on everything. But if you can get started earlier, like if we can talk to young people, if we can have 20 some year olds just saying like, okay, yeah, I can find an extra 200 bucks a month to put into like a retirement goal. Um, again, it doesn't feel like it's doing anything. And I think that's why that they're like, well, that's not going to make a difference. And it's like, well, it does. It's very powerful. Um, I have clients that never made six figure incomes that retired with over a million dollars. And people would think you have to earn a lot of money to have millions of dollars. And that's not the truth at all. Like there's a book called, I think it's called the millionaire next door or something like that. And it actually analyzed real life millionaires to see their lifestyles. And they didn't buy brand new cars. They didn't buy the nicest houses and things like that. So that's like the kind of like reality of what's necessarily like a millionaire's life is like some sacrifices have to be made. So it's kind of a decision of like, do I want to do that? Or, you know, do I discipline and education (laughs) and (laughs) yeah. And and all of that stuff. And and the value of compound interest. It it can be a wonderful thing. It can also be a horrible thing if you are it's like my this child that I had, uh he uh um he would incrementally and I told him not to do this, but he would do it anyway because he'd run out of money and 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 because he miscalculated. So he would just it's only 50 bucks on the credit card it's only 75 dollars on the credit card it's only 150 for camping this weekend on the credit card but what he didn't realize was that his minimum payment was 25 dollars, and so that didn't even cover the interest at the end of the day of so i explained to him when i gave him a sizable chunk of money to pay that off i said you realize that you'd have been paying that for 15 years just yeah, to get that crazy. down, you'd have, you'd have paid about $20,000 to pay six. And yeah. But people don't know that. That's why it's important for them to talk to you. One of the reasons why is because you've got a couple of books out. Yeah. <laughs> Make money your thing. Ditch the shame and design your dream life. How long has that one been out? It's coming. So it's available for pre-order now. It comes out July 11th. So I'm very cool. excited. I can't wait. It's something that I worked on. Um, it feels like forever ago because it's like the process of writing and publishing. It's a long process, but um, it's something I, I really am proud of. Like I put together, it's kind of like to me, like the workbook or the like 
what I would share with anyone about what you need to know about money and investing, like what, what that is. And it's taking examples of like real life stories of clients I've worked with and my own stories um, to help kind of make it, I guess, more relatable, more engaging and, and try to make it fun. Because I think some of the finance books can be a little bit intimidating and overwhelming sometimes and, and feel like some of the things they're telling you to do might seem a little complicated or out of reach. Like some of them might be focused on buying real estate and things like that. But so I think make money your thing is for people like from all walks of life about, it's just about building confidence when it comes to our money. Cause again, like the biggest thing I see, and we kind of talked about here is like, how can we get the people to take the action? Like we know we need to start early. We know we need to invest and have compounding working for us. We need to avoid, you know, high interest debt and things like that. But why aren't we actually doing it? And I think some of it is like a lack of confidence we have feeling like, well, we don't know enough. And, and, that almost leading to like procrastination or again, feelings of shame where it just almost like paralyzes us to not do anything. But the best thing you can do for your money is take action. So make money your thing. It's, you know, it's the hopefully the answer to that to build confidence to get people actually taking the steps and doing the things. And I like what you're doing because you're, you've got a book, a book for adults. <laughs> and you got a book for kids that will money wise make marbles, Bursting Mabel. Bank. Mabel's? Yeah. Mabel's? Yeah. Money Wise Mabel's Bursting Bank. Yeah. And that's a kid's picture book. And it comes out in September. So right in time for back to school. But it's available for pre-order as well. And um, yeah, a kid's picture book about a little girl who fills up her piggy bank. And then she learns about, you know, not having to have that instant gratification of maybe going and spending it right away on candy or something like that. And how she can save up for something maybe even bigger. And her mom takes her to open her own bank account and, and all that. And then she thinks about ideas of what she wants to do with their savings and stuff. So it's, I want just kids to really feel like they can have these big goals and, and dreams and they're all very achievable. Like I, I don't know where, it, like it started for me, I guess, you know, because my mom didn't have a lot of money. I remember asking her for a super Nintendo and her saying, instead of her usual response of like, just no, or I'm not going to get that for you, or I can't afford it. It was like, well, if you want one so bad, go buy it yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can like, that's not a no, that's a yes in my book. So it was saving up and like putting away all sorts of like birthday money I was getting and Christmas money and things like that. And it probably took me like over a year, but I saved up enough and I bought that Super Nintendo all on my own. And I remember just how good that felt. And it's like, it all started then for me, those those stories. And it builds from that, right? It starts with a Super Nintendo and then later in life, it's a house. And it's, you know, those bigger goals that you have, but it has to start somewhere. In, and that feeling of accomplishing it and like, I can do it is so empowering for kids. So I just want all kids to know that because when you're born into a scenario where like you don't have a lot of money, sometimes it's like we think of like the cycle of poverty and it's just going to continue. But there's nothing that says that has to continue. There's nothing that says like, you know, you're, the stamp has been put on you that you're going to be broke because your parents are broke or something like that. Like I want all kids to just feel like anything's possible with money because it is. Anything that you can do to break the cycle. Yes. Uh, the, the cycle of one generation being poor and the next generation believing that they're going to be equally as poor or more poor. Uh, yes. You can break that cycle and understanding how money works and dealing with it appropriately is a great way to do it. And I wish you could have taught my ex-wife 
That's all I can say about that. But anyway, <laughs> um, Mitch, um, we're going to have to go here in, in a second. Anything you'd like to uh, ask Kaylee before we go? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of something good to ask, but I mean, um, I, I think w- what would you say in, in, in what you've done in your books and you've said you've been doing this last 15 years, what would you, what's the story or an example? What's, what's your greatest accomplishment that you can think of, or may, it doesn't have to necessarily be a story or a scenario in, in doing all this for the last 15 years, what would you say was, would be your greatest accomplishment? I think it's the fact that I've done it as a single mom too. Like I have an eight-year-old and a nine-month-old, so a new little baby boy. And it was all still possible for me in these scenarios too. Like I've built my business. I've written books. Um, I was writing Make Money Your Thing because I got a, a publishing deal and then I was pregnant with him and I was like, oh, how am I going to write a book while I'm pregnant? Like my brain's not even working and I did it. And so I think it's just, I don't know, I'm so proud that I was able to do all my career ambitions and and what I have like want to achieve there and then also get to be a mom and and not have one sort of a road onto the other or like make one not possible. So I, I'm a single mom and I still do all this stuff. And of course it's a balancing act. And of course, sometimes, you know, date, some days are harder than others, but it's just, I'm so proud to be able to do that. And, you know, I love my kids and I think with my money and finances, everything I do, I feel like it's for them and what I want to give them and teach them. No, I love that. I think uh, that's great. That's a great backstory because it's it's huge motivation for all those listening. It's you're an example of what can be done, you know, what you can accomplish when you put your mind to it, when you're passionate about something and you have all these other things going on and being a single mom and kids and you got you have two. I just have the one, but I know that it can it can be super difficult and from what you know what i see in all the things that you've done i think i think that was a good uh that was a great accomplishment in the last 15 years that's awesome so by the yeah. way mitch that was a, that was a great question to ask and it opened up a whole new thing that we're not going to have time for but i just want to <laughs> congratulate you thank you i cannot for the life of me i cannot imagine having an eight-year-old child and a nine-month-old child being a single mom and working and doing you, you must have a, a an s on your chest or on your back or something i think so i don't know i've learned to just like accept more and like go with it because there's like all sorts of things that come at you and then you're like if you can just accept like there's days where you get not much sleep and you're like i could complain about this or do the math about how much sleep i didn't get or i could just accept that i got that like accept it for what it is and move on well, congratulations, and, and thank you for the work that you're doing, for not only for your children, but for all of us to educate us about a little bit more about money, because it is, it, I, in my marriage, it was a major, it was a major obstacle. Um, yeah. I knew how to make money. My wife, oddly enough, knew how to spend money. It's an yeah. odd coincidence. It's a good match. <laughs> <laughs> for somebody, it was. Um, it's like, where did the rent money go? <laughs> i found lots of goodies to buy yeah you should have seen the deal that i got well good because we're not eating this week you know it's just <laughs> one of those things so <laughs> mitch i'd like to thank you for being here and you, you've assisted greatly you've done a great job sir thank you thank you for having me and uh and kaylee by the way kaylee's last name everybody mitch is gonna say it again is <laughs> boiver 
so good. Very, very nice. Uh, Kayla, will you come back on, on the radio show then so that I can we can talk more? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. You're 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 awesome and and you're a lot of fun. So I want to thank you very much for being here. And thank is there you. anything that you would like to add? Anything at all that you'd like to tell our audience before we go? I guess just like keep believing in the possibilities. Don't think like you know what is set like you're where you are with your money or whatever is like set in stone or it's you know that it's not like that you have to give up or anything like that like know that there's always possibilities and and um there's a lot you can do so don't ever feel like it's just like hopeless well said well said thank thank you ladies and gentlemen for joining us it's been a great show and mitch thank you and kaylee thank you if you'll wait right there we'll be right back Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because 